My name, Virashin Hun Kong Simanon. Everyone, welcome to call me Ying. That's fine. I'm a PGY4 in Newark, New Jersey, and I'm also in charge of um, medical student education over there. All right, so today we're going to talk about GI bleeding. Just a little bit about background. My slide is really bright. Your eyes okay? You want to you want to light off or no? Whatever. All right. So. Um, has anyone in this room never seen a GI bleeder patient? So you basically can say how common it is, right? So it's actually causing 400,000 hospital admission per year, causing four, um, $2 billion a year. And um, even giving all the knowledge that we have, all the technology that we have, we still have mortality rate of 5 to 10%. That's pretty high for the GI bleeder that you probably know what to do. Um, and the incidence of upper GI bleeding is 90 episodes per 1,000, and the lower GI bleeder is lower. It's just only 20,000, um, 20 episodes per 1,000. Case one. All right, so can I, um, so who are the first year? Okay, who are the second year? <laughs> okay, all right, so there is a third year, I guess. So, so case one is a 45-year-old guy complaining of vomiting blood for two days. His vitals are as listed. Um, you walk into the room, you see this guy. Kind of dark over there, mine is pink. Um, first year, what kind of questions do you want to ask this guy? Just shout out, because I don't remember who's the first year. <laughs> Great, okay, what else? Great. What else? Bright red or coffee. Good. Yeah, you're not an intern. Oh. <laughs> 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 that worked too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so, right. So, one of the questions that you want to know whether this is a real bleeding, right? So, the patient presenting blood is red. So, sometimes they have something red and then they just said, oh, I'm vomiting blood. My husband actually has an experience when he was a kid that he ate a lot of watermelon and then he, till he threw up. And then everyone freaked out because it's like, oh, he's throwing up blood. He's like, he's like I'm okay. Um, so you need to verify whether they eat or drink anything that can possibly cause the red. And um, also, you need to verify whether the blood is actually come from the GI, right? It could be from the nose. Some people have nosebleed, they swallow it, and then they're throwing it up. Some people have coughing blood. So that's a totally different, differential diagnosis, right? And then, you're right, you asked about duration and amount. How much, how long has it been bleeding? You asked if they're ever bleeding before. And then you asked if there's any medications you're taking that might cause the bleeding and that might, that might also kind of change your management, right? So you ask about NSAIDs, aspirin, um, blood thinners, and then the other thing, this kind of like in-service question. So you ask if any previous surgery, and then the type of question you get is, you know, like a pretty old patient have aortic surgery in the past, came in here vomiting blood, apogeal bleed, what your diagnosis, what you want to do? So this patient can have um, the fistula causing bleeding. So this, can, I never seen one, but it's turned out that it's always in the question. And then past medical history. So you want to know the couple two red things, 
you want to know is if the patient have any history of cirrhosis or if the patient is alcoholic because that would definitely change your management. I know BC talk about that a lot <laughs> the lecture before. And then you also want to ask if there is any bleeding disorder. Always do rectal exam. So this one kind of patient that you want to do rectal exam, right? But when you do the rectal exam, you want to know, you need to know the limitation of your test. You guys use like a quiet test card over here too, right? So yep. that card, can you use it with the, um, with the content that the patient vomit? Is it here? You can use it? Mine, I can't. We're not supposed to. We do. Okay. And then, um, and there are some things that the patient eat can causing fall positive, like bismuth or um, bismuth and iron cause black stool. But some red fruits, some meat can cause a fall positive on the guayac. So we're not supposed to guayac vomit. You're not supposed to. It's not no, meant for that. It's done it like ten times. Oh, it was the results. That's what it's I mean, I've seen blood on it maybe three times. You've seen no blood on the vomitus, but it's quite positive? No, I don't remember what that from below, but I've definitely had some positives. Well, what we're using is a hemocult for stool. There is a analogous test called a gastrocult. Right. You don't have that in the We misapply the Right. Okay, and then the other thing is you want to ask for associated symptoms. You want to gauge the severity and you also want to ask to guide you for your diagnosis. So this table I just put it up, everyone probably familiar with it. They normally use it for the trauma patient. I consider bleeding from the wound is a trauma, even though it's inside wound. So I think we should be able to use this one. There's just a couple things that I want to point out is, as you can see in class one, the first thing that would change is actually the pulse pressure. So you're not looking for tachycardic. You're not looking for a drop of the systolic blood pressure, right? And then the second thing that will go up is the heart rate. And as we know, these GI bleeders, when they go down, they go down really fast. So you have to make sure that you have kind of like, um, you are able to early diagnose them and then give in a very aggressive resuscitation. And then, so the differential diagnosis. Um, so this is, I'm a simple person. So this is a simple list from Rosen's. I guess you guys probably can tell like what history and physical exam, you kind of need to know. Yes, yes, yes. If you're a complicated person, you can go up with this list. So, up to you. Okay. You can't read, sorry. All right, so, go back to our patient. The nurse come and notify you that, oh, now his vital is, blood pressure is dropped, his heart is tacky up, he's breathing a little bit faster. Pulsox still fine, and you walk into the room, you find him pale as um, paper, thinner, and has sunken eyeball. <laughs> Second year, what would you like to do? Two large boys. Two large boys. Great. What else? Tapping cross. Cool. What else? Two liters for wide Will do. What else? Put it on oxygen. Put it on oxygen. 
I'm sorry? I'm probably from BC's lecture, probably start off treatise, antibiotics, get GI on the phone. Protonics, right? All right, we'll talk about that. So, you want to aggressively resuscitation, you want to consider NG lavash, you want to think about immersion scope, and then you want to think about the protonics, the proton pump inhibitor. So, resuscitation, you guys all know, right? Half, even first year, half year through already. So, two latch bar IV, IVO2 monitors, aggressively fluid, consider breath transfusion, even consider invasive monitoring, like A-line. If you cannot get the real blood pressure, you might consider to put the um, central line in because you might need more access than one or two, or you know if you have to run blood or anything else. You have to put something on the drip, then you have more ports. Um, you might consider the massive transfusion protocol. Uh, and then if the patient vomiting a lot or they became altered, then you might consider the, to get the airway management. And then other labs that you talked about, um, in, the only thing is in the elderly, you have to be careful. Sometimes they can bleed and they sometimes can, they can just bleed inside and then they become anemic and that just tip them off to have the MI. So you might consider to do the EKGs and the enzymes in the elderly. And also sometimes they might just come in complaining of epigastric pain. So that might be equivalent of chest pain in the elderly, right? It's a typical. So you might want to consider to diagnose um, uh, working diagnosis for the MI also. So, NG lavage. What do you think? Should we do it? I think I know we talk about it. So there are some guidelines say that the benefit of doing NG lavage is proof that the patient has upper J bleeding. Of course, if the patient vomiting blood is there, you don't have to prove it. It might help prevent the aspiration, as BC said, in a patient that altered or vomiting a lot, that cannot control their own airway, then you might just want to take the blood out and make them feel more comfortable. Um, you can also use it to gauge the severity. When you lavage it, and then if always red, bright red, if not you know, lighter, then you know always probably bleed a lot inside. And it's also provide better visualization of the gastric fundus. I think you, some of you mentioned before that GI asked you to lavage. Sometimes they can see better when they scope. And um, although the last benefit is actually might be, we can might be able to achieve it with the other medication, which is IV erythromycin that I know BC already talked about. And this is a study that done. Um, there's a study I think is. I think it's in one of your journal club too, <laughs> I just saw. So it's a study that compare between the, using the lavage and erythromycin, and then they see if there are any changes in rebleeding incidence, if there is any changes in the time, if the time of endoscopic procedure, and if there's any changes in the incidence of the need of second scope, the number of transfusion and the mortality rate. So. Um, so far that they can tell is, is not significantly different between the two, so. Is actually lavaging supposed to improve the chance of stopping the bleed without the scope? I don't think so. That was an old way, that was an old. Right, so it's not. Right, it's been just disproven. So, so the they say lavage till clear, it's kind of pointless. Right, it is pointless. Okay. So 
mean, there's two things. There's one is put, do you put the NG tube in at all as a diagnostic right. test? I and then do you that. lavage? I think it's clear that the lavage piece of it is bogus. But I understand. But uh, whether to put the NG tube in at all as a diagnostic test is still open to debate. And then, so should we give the proton pump inhibitor? I mean, no, it's I been. Comment on the, uh, yes. Placement of the NG. Sure. So what I, what I miss with these criteria to use an NG tube or not is how it affects the emergency physician's decision point, the, decision, the management decisions. I, I, I compare it to, let's say a patient falls down and hits their head and they have a scalp laceration. You roll the patient in the department and you're going to say, patient has scalp lacerations. I'm now going to put a box around their head so you can't see how much it's bleeding or whether it continues to bleed. Go ahead and manage the patient for the next two, three hours in the emergency room. You can't see how much it's bleeding. There's a box around his head. You can't tell. I'm going to handcuff you. I'm going to take it, you know, tie one hand, behind, one hand behind your back. And now I want you to make a decision about whether the patient should go to the telly, floor, home, unit. Go ahead. You don't know how much is bleeding. So to me, the absence of an NG tube ties one hand behind your back. I don't say you have to leave it in. I don't have to say, I don't say that you have to lodge it. But you've got to know, is he bleeding right now or is he not bleeding right now? If he's bleeding right now, he goes to the unit. If he's bleeding, if you're not bleeding right now, but he's got a coagulopathy, he probably goes to the unit. If he's got a bunch of coffee grounds there, then you know it stopped. I mean, there's some information there that to me is kind of self-evident, but I've never seen a good study that, that addresses that. It's sort of like, you know, do you need a study uh, that shows that parachutes are effective in preventing, you know, blood force trauma death jumping out of airplanes? No, it's just self-evident, you know, that you don't need a placebo group to tell that. And to me, not having an NG tube and not knowing whether the guy's bleeding or how much is, yes, of course, there's false negatives. It could be further down in your NG tube, but it's, you gotta look, all right? You're gonna do a rectal exam. Okay, so you got melanin. What does that tell you? Is he bleeding right now? Does, does GI have to come and scope him right now? You put him in the unit? How, much, how aggressive are you with octreotide? How many units do you type across with? There's lots of nuances that are answered by whether or not you get bright red blood out of the NG tube. To me, it's nuts to skip it, and there's a lot of this discussion about, well, it's not indicated, it's painful. Yeah, I agree it's painful. It's a lousy thing to do to people. You don't have to leave it in forever, but from our perspective, I believe you need it right away. And that helps you risk stratify the patient. Like, you know, get a patient with chest pain. Let's not get an EKG. You don't need risk stratify. Do you still do it in someone that just comes in with melanin? No vomiting. Um, then I'm kind of on the fence. Thank you. Probably. Depends on what his vitals are. Yeah, like this one probably needs a, you know, multiple transfusion protocol, like you said. When they drop their pressure, they're class three. Yeah, certainly if they drop his pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. If he's perfectly stable, yeah. says I've been having melanin yes. for three days, and his hemoglobin's 11, then maybe not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So the use of proton, proton pump inhibitor. Um, there, the guidelines say that it's decreased the risk of developing all of this, which is the rebleeding. It decreased the risk of the patient, the, the incident of the patient going to the OR to stop the bleeding. It decreased the in-hospital mortality, and it also decreased length of stay. So I think it's a yes to use the proton pump inhibitor. Do the patient need an emergent scope? An emergent man in 24 hours, like or even in right right now. Um, so, 
there a risk score? There are so many risk scores that they've been, you know, trying to gauge like, okay, which one is the best? And I'm kind of read, read a little bit about here and there, and then they their study comparison, and I think this one maybe it's been used, but I we never use it in the ED at all. So I don't know if you guys used any risk score here. <laughs> right, so this is the score that they come up. It looks so complicated to me. Like you have to add these odds up. We'll never work out for the ED physician who are very busy. So what's the score say is, basically it say that if the patient has low BUN, is this score done in Europe? So the, their unit is kind of off. Um, the hemoglobin is more than 13 in male, more than 12 in female. Blood pressure is fine and pulse is less than 100 per minute. Then the chance that the patient is going to need any clinical intervention that including scope or any other procedure to be done is really unlikely and that gives us the 99% of sensitivity and 32% of specificity. What if they have these vitals but they're actively That would change if that was my patient. So, I mean, if they're actively beating, but how can you tell, you, you mean they're vomiting yeah. progressively? Definitely, right? So you can see, because like I said, this patient, when they go down, they go very fast. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know how much is inside. You don't know really how, how much is. It would be. I don't know, don't you guys have iPhone? <laughs> I thought I thought they're giving iPad to the first year medical student. What is? Let me know. Let me know. I'll see if I can figure it out. Okay. Oh, so the uh, the other guideline. There's a guideline done by the gastro intestinologist committee and then they actually recommend for the patient that non variceal bleeding then they recommend scope within 24 hours. What? Huh? What was the, the NG? Non variceal upper GI hemorrhage. And then um, this is another study that done. Try to look into like who really need the early scope and that means the early scope and some intervention, and who do not. Um, this is a prospective study that's done in Europe also. They look into 190 patients. Um, and then they found that if the patient, so they, ha they come up with like a, um, like a score that, you know, if the patient has all of that, you give one, and then you multiply by the one in the parenthesis. In the parenthesis. So it's like, if the patient is have um, tachycardic, then you give one, and then times four, and then you plus. If the patient has flesh body, you give one times ten, so that's ten. So let's go that way. So and they say if the score is less than seven, so there's a chance that uh, it's very unlikely that the patient will have active bleeding right now that need intervention. I mean, you can see from that if you have at least two of them, then it will meet the, the above seven for sure. So, and that is the crazy active bleeding ulcer. You can, you can see the, the flow, the blood. All right.
just a little bit of mental break. Uh, Ready to any, move on? Is there any thought of... Are you asking about this slide? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys do at your hospital? Do you have GI just, you just admit all these patients and then GI will come scope them in the morning? So we call them, it's depending on how severe they are, and oh, do, if we think that the patient needs scope right now, we'll call them and then we just tell them, you know, I really think you guys need to come in. Is there any thought to someone who comes in with a lower jet bleed, low belly pain, their labs look okay, they're positive from below, <coughs> get Jenna to come just scope them now, if it's fine, looks okay, they can go home. They do that at Kaiser. Is that it? It's very cost effective. Mm -hmm. The ED docs there will hold the patient, the guy will come in, they'll sedate them, they'll do the scope, and then boot them. So, so out whether it's upper or lower. Private lower. lower. Okay. But lower they can't really scope because they have a problem. Right. But upper they can scope in the ED, and if they're not bleeding right now, they routinely sound. Okay. So, but obviously they're a very tightly managed care system. They don't want to put in the hospital. Right. I know here it's different, but out in private. Uh, Kaiser's the only one I know where the GI docs come into the ED. Okay. Other places you go on better information. Okay. Eighteen. Eighteen. Greater than eighteen. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, case number two. A little bit changed in the scenario. 45-year-old guy, cirrhosis with to complain of vomiting blood also, and vitals as you see. Walk into the room, saw this guy, looked totally yellow, distended belly, <laughs> kind of appeared to be drinking a lot. Right. So, the thing about the thing about when you're seeing upper GI bleeder, you the main part is you have to differentiate between is this variceal bleeding or is non-variceal bleeding because that will change your management. And so, if the patient has significant liver disease, have history of variceal bleeding before, drinking a lot, or has a profound ab abnormal um, liver function test then you might consider this might be vaginal bleeding that you're dealing with. Um, so, the management, Wait, so you- found liver function test, you don't mean that transaminase elevation, you mean elevated PTINR. Yes, so like some signs that show that the patient has liver failure kind of going on. Yes, thank you. So for the management for this patient, of course, you want to aggressively resuscitation them. You want to maybe in GI hours, depends. We talk about, you might want to call GI, consider emergent scope. What are the other things that you might consider to do extra for this patient with the various bleeding? Huh? Out your time? What else? Antibiotics. Antibiotics, okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I've never done it, but. Okay. 
So about resuscitation, there is some theory going on that, you know, in the liver patient, like you all know, the blood pressure normally lies a little bit on the low side. So you might don't want to over-resuscitate them. That means you might not want to just give them a lot, a lot of saline. Um, the goal that they talk about is to keep SBP around 100 and hemoglobin like 7 to 8. You might consider albumin early to help them hold the volume in. Um, and then you obviously need to, to consider about clotting factors, platelets, octreotide, like BC said, and also antibiotics. Is there anything that's like a fake Blakemore tube? Like, what does that because mean? I was, in the, I was in the ICU like a couple days ago, and the guy was doing this, I asked for Blakemore, they're like, we, what is that? So I thought about taking a Foley and sticking it down there, but I didn't think it would get far enough. Ooh, the, the, ba the balloon is very big in the Right, so there's nothing that you can do like, that's kind of the same. I don't know if you can tie the rope and put the plastic bag in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, emergently. If you can come up with something, you might be rich. I know. Maybe an aerotic balloon. I don't think they would have that. Yeah. All right. I'll leave it to Kirsch to come to talk here. All right. Case number three. Sixty-five-year-old guy complaining of bloody bowel movement. There you go. You guys been asking about lower GI bleed here. Vitals, as you see, and you know, this guy is always a little bit old, grumpy, doesn't want to do anything, just want to go home. Um, so, what are your differential diagnoses? I'm sorry? Hemorrhoids, fissures, Great, so any anal rectal disease, yeah. good. What else? Angiosplasia. Good, okay. So what was the uh, angio dysplasia? The patient normally like a little bit old and then they present with bleeding like gush of blood and then it stops and then it's bleed again, right? So sometimes it can kind of be triggery. What else? Cancer, James mentioned. Yes, obviously. Yes, definitely. So I put a list of the upper disease from Rosen's. I didn't put a complicated one for the lower because it's too much. So how do you know whether it's upper or lower. So this study is actually done in the United States. It's a retrospective study. See, uh, look into 325 patients, you know, and then they try to figure out what actually associate with patient. What, if the patient come in, no vomiting blood, what they can predict that the patient will, might have upper GI bleed. And they found that the patient, I mean, it's kind of like, the patient with the black stool and age less than 50 and being creatinine more than 30. If they have all this, um, they, this all, all these three is actually, might be able to predict the patient might have upper GI bleeding. And you can see all the odds ratio. But it's just one study they've done and it's retrospective, so. NG not in the lower J bleeder that not vomiting blood. There's, there are many studies done about this. Um, so this one is just, um, this one is, a, I think it's a meta-analysis. 
So they actually said, no. So it's, I know you guys watch American Idol. So Simon's always say no. Um, so it said it's low sensitivity and it has a poor likelihood ratio. So you really cannot use it to route up a J bleeder. Right, and then the second study, which is, I think this one is a prospective study, the done, and then you got Paula Abdul, they said, sure, why not? <laughs> they have a gift, talents, get them in. So they said because um, they found that, from this study, they said that 10% of patients have upper J bleeders, so it might work just to do it, you know, just to route that 10%. And then the other one is a retrospective study that said, well, yeah, maybe, it depends. If it's positive, it helps. If it's negative, it's not. So. What did the attorney say? The attorney? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Maybe they're telling you. Know, maybe you're about to tell later. Any other comments? Thank you. All right, so the management of the lower GI bleeder. So it's kind of like a little bit busy. But basically, if the patient, he wants to, if the patient vital stable, then you might want to call GI and say, you know, normally what we do in our shop is if it's just melina, quite positive, the patient vital stable, sometimes it's a little bit old, maybe we observe them a little bit and then repeat the edge and edge. Um, and then we call GI, get them to follow up, just to make sure that he's gonna get scope at some point, right? Because it could be cancer, and then you might miss cancer, and then something bad happened. But if the patient is not stable, then obviously you will focusing on aggressively resuscitation them, and then call GI to get involved and see what the other routes they can go. This is uh, my other thing that I just wanted to mention, because I had a case of a severe GI bleeder. If you think that they are just bleeding so severely, call surgery too. Good point. That last part, not possible stabilization of their plus or minus angiography ambulization or surgery. So Good point. I would call both GI and surgery. They can take them to the operating room, they can do the scope and do the operation at the same time um, and try and work it out that way. So if you're doing massive transfusion and all that stuff, Definitely. it may be helpful. Good point. Thank you. And surgery is here. Like they can see them in the middle of the night. Right. You know, they could be here in two minutes rather than 15 or 20, but I'm a GI fellow me too. Yeah. And if it's also, if it's varices, sometimes they'll do an urgent TIPS procedure to relieve the pressure. So, although those fail frequently, they're really urgent TIPS. Okay. 
So the take home points is GI bleeder is upper GI bleed until proven otherwise, for me at least. Always, always aggressive resuscitation and constantly re-evaluate the patient. Don't just put them in a room, let the nurse manage, and then three hours later go back and the patient crash. Okay, go back more frequently, see how you're doing, you're vomiting more, how's the vitals, what's the pulse pressure is, and then just be careful with the old. Sometimes it can be tricky. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>